Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Gotham Guitars. I'm a multi-millionaire, crime-fighting, cape-wearing guitar enthusiast. And how can I help you, sir? I'm in need of three pedals. Well, I've got just the deal for you. From the 1st of October to the 16th of November, you can buy two Boss pedals and get the third absolutely free. Swear to me. That's right. Go to www.boss342.com. That's the number three and the number two with the word four to check all the pedal combinations and all of the terms and conditions. Then go to any UK Boss dealer for the promotion. I'm Batman. And welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Packham. Joining me this evening is Matt Knight. Hello. And Jay Cross. Hiya. No Joe Branton this evening. Do we know where he is? He's just on a jolly uh, somewhere. Uh, he's always playing with playing gigs and that. Oh, God. Who wants to play gigs? Oh, I don't know where he is, actually. He's in London, apparently. I don't know what he's what he's up to. But Sunday, uh, <laughs> Sunday afternoon, big booze up in London, probably. He was sending us some very passive-aggressive text messages. Yeah. I told you, you were going to have to do it as a three-piece. He actually sent the text saying, I don't know if I can make it, which doesn't say that he's going to be here or not. So <laughs> maybe he'll turn up halfway through, but I don't think he will. Matt Knight, hey, Beam. I am very well, thank you. I um, As I was saying to you just before we started, I've just taken my Roland Space Echo apart to give it a good old clean. You sent us uh, a picture through, and uh, you should put that on the Facebook group because it looks yeah, absolutely take, bonkers. Uh, I'll take some sort of uh, some inner workings of it. Um, I know it would be uh, it would be sacrilege to do it, but I kind of think: imagine if I just sent it to somewhere who did retolexing and then got them to like retolex it in like an awesome colour. You could get like it, get it like tuck and rolled, like those old custom amps, like the back seat of a Cadillac. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Imagine getting it all done in like some sort of yeah, like vintage Cadillac leather with like pinstripes. Yeah. What do you think that do to the value? To be honest, I've I've already bought one and sold one before, so I'm I know not, you're not going to sell make it, that same mistake again. I know you're not going to sell it, but I'm just interested as to what you think it would do I to the value know. of it. I I don't think it would decrease it that much because sometimes you know there was that guy um, Custom Synths in Devon who was doing like like all modded sort of coloured synthesizers, and people just go, oh yeah, like I definitely pay more money for that because I suppose in a way it sort of looks newer, it's more unique. Yeah. So I guess if you're like. If you've got one, then it's a bit bashed about. Then getting yeah. retolexed in a sort of like bonkers finish is probably gonna. I mean, at, at the very least, it will get it up to back to the aggregate level of what it was worth originally. Yeah, I did see one done in a, in a white, which looked really good, and it had a completely new. Um, it had a completely new faceplate as well. Right, it looked it looked really class, and I was like, ah. Oh. Was it a white faceplate as well? I think it was white and black. Oh, that sounds wicked. Like some sort of Stormtrooper edition. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds cool. 
So what's um yeah. just for those listening who uh, haven't seen it yet on the group? What does the um what do the insides of a space echo look like? Uh, there's a lot of components. I have no idea what they are. Right. Uh, there's a motor for the uh, for the inner bits uh, for the like the actual thing that drives the tape round, and then there's some trim pots that do some weird things to the unit itself. Like you can adjust the intensity control, so how quickly it oscillates, and I think you can adjust like how sensitive the VU meter is. Okay. Uh, now, when I had one before, I did in adjust the intensity control, but it's really sensitive because remember the first time. I- when I bought my first one, I plugged it in. I was like, oh, there's no reverb and the thing doesn't oscillate. And that's the two things you want when you buy it. You you basically want to turn the repeats all the way up to full and you want loads of reverb and none, neither of those things work. So when I opened it up, I was like, oh, I'm assuming I just turned this control and that made a big difference. And right. the reverb is just like a reverb tank and an amp. You just connect that with those two leads. Had someone just um, on purpose like turned that stuff off then? Yeah, whoever had it before had obviously, for whatever reason... I decided to turn them off. So weird. No, no idea why. Especially when the re- when you've actually got a proper spring tank in there as well. You just think it actually makes quite a good like outboard reverb for yeah, well, yeah. studios, which is why so many people use it. So I don't know why someone would have turned it off. But didn't yeah. you get it cheap because it, they thought it wasn't working? No, um, I I can't remember how much I paid for my first one. I I paid I think even though I got the one I've got now cheap because I I found it on Gumtree. Um, I paid about half of what they're worth now for the first one I bought. So yeah. in five years, they've kind of like doubled in value. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Which is pretty nuts, really. People, when you think about it. people have been listening to this podcast too much. That's, That's the it. thing. Just banging yeah. on about them too I, much. Yeah. And um, I just think like, I just think about having it done in a retail retail would just look awesome because I just think look, I'm not going to make the same mistake in selling it and now it's like well it does look very good but you can get people who like redo the face plates and everything so when they start to scratch and a couple of the pots are chips so I thought I might try and buy some replacement parts and give it a really good clean and kind of get it all spick and span I guess it depends on if you were going to sell it like what type of buyer it would be it might be that someone wants something that's like super cool looking for their studio yeah. and didn't really care that it isn't the original you know yeah, it's, I tell you what's weird though. Whenever you see them on eBay, there seems to be a lot coming from Japan. There is a lot like, coming from Japan, and I don't. And, think, I, and I'm, yeah, I don't I'm, think they can because if you type in RE two hundred one on uh, on eBay, there are so many coming from Japan. They can't be, they can't be all originals. There's got to be someone yeah. knocking out um, sort of good fakes at the moment because there are so many that are being advertised from like, um, like not private sellers isn't there yeah yeah I, it's like there seem to be so many from shops that like just always have one for sale and I'm like how can they how can they be I, I have no idea how many they made like I mean you've got no to think, idea you've got to think that that's where the majority of them ended up obviously like Japanese company and you know it wasn't uh, I guess I mean what year do you know what year yours is it's like I think mine's 78. Yeah, so I would imagine that like they didn't quite have the same sort of distribution networks out then. So I, suppose, I wonder whether yeah. like, most of them existed there. I mean, it'd be quite a weird thing to make like fakes of. I don't know. Yeah. Actually, though, bizarrely enough, I was, just, I was just having a quick read. They actually made them until 1990. Really? Yeah. Same ones? Like what, the RE201? Well, it says, it says here, produced from 74 to 1990, RE201. So I'd imagine that was probably the only model that was consistent throughout the whole Yeah, because my one, the, whole range. My one the, the rack one... The What's yours called? A 550? SRE, uh, the um, SRE555. Right. 
um, which was the rack unit version of the 501. Okay. Because um, the 101 is just the uh, Echo. And yep. then the 201, which is the one that Matt's got, is Echo and Reverb. Yeah. And then they did the 301, which had the chorus. And then they did the 501, which uh, had uh, the sound on sound. So okay. like the looping function. Yep. And then my one is the 555, the SRE 555, uh, which is um, the rack mounted version. So without the wooden shell, basically. Yeah. 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 And I think mine is 81. I think. 80 to 81 yeah we worked out it was like early 80s yeah 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 Yeah. so it's great though so good so good Matt the uh, Space Echo is not the only thing not the only bit of kit that you've taken apart this week Um, have you been doing some work on your Fender Blues Junior or Pro Junior Uh, Pro Junior yeah well um, my initial plan was to um, I took the chassis out and I was like right I'm going to strip all the Tolex because it was it was like just tweed and it was quite grubby I was like I'm going to strip all the Tolex and then I'm going to like sand down the cab and then I'm going to spray it and then trying to remove the Tolex was such a nightmare I was just like I just I don't know how much effort I can really bother to put into this and then I was like I thought what I'll do is I'll disconnect the speaker and I'll plug it into my 112 and it sounded absolutely amazing. And I was like, wow, that extra size in speaker makes such a, a huge difference. And I'd been, um, as part of my, um, where I work, um, I'd been talking to Paul at uh, Zilla Cabs and I was like, how much realistically would you charge to maybe build like a new cabinet and um, for this Pro Junior? And, he's, and like, he was like, oh, look, I'll just do you a really good deal on it. Um, and so I was like, oh, cool. So I've given him all the dimensions and he's basically building it into an oversized 112. So um, is he, So he's building your 112 combo, basically, and fitting yeah, the Pro Junior building head. The, yeah, yeah. So, well, no, basically, yeah. So he's basically built it so the he's then cut out the chassis dimension so the 112 will slot, uh, the chassis will sl- slot back in. So it's, yeah, it's like a giant 112 combo, I suppose. Okay. Because, like, the Blues Junior's, like, still fairly small. This is this cab's going to be, like... Pro Junior. Uh, Pro Junior, yeah. This cab's going to be the same size as my Morgan cab, so it's going to be, like, 20 inches by, like, 12 and a half. Okay. So it's going to be, like, a really big cab. So it's going to it's gonna sound awesome, I'm, I'm sure of it. It's going to be in western black and white, which is, like, the Paisley Tolex, and then white end cheeks. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, it's going to look awesome. Um because that's then that's obviously that's what spurred me on to think oh maybe I'll just get the the space echo done and then because I, I talked to him before about getting my jazz course done because the old jazz courses look really horrible like yeah. that weird like wood with like all the metal like um, rivets in it and I was like oh wouldn't that look good if it was just like a small like rack mount size head so um, who knows maybe I'll get him to do that as well I just quite, have like all custom gear I quite like the look of the uh, the jazz course stuff like it's kind of got a strangely alluring industrial vibe about it like yeah. uh, they look like something out of the end sequence of Terminator 2 like could just be part yeah. of in that building because I've just like recently with this new um, this new Roland like boutique mini keyboards coming out I've just got like I mean I've always loved Boss Roland stuff but now I'm just think they're really on it they've like everything they've seemed to release recently I'm just like yeah that's they've obviously really gone what we really need to do is all of this and then they've just totally nailed it i have reserved one of each of those synths for have, myself have you, are you gonna what? buy one of each i think so yeah uh, i'm definitely buying the juno I've i heard. think see i think i'm I, I, like i've tried them all um which i'm 
think that, that's yeah, fine. You can say that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can say. I, yeah. I've, I've tried them all, and um, I really like the JX. Um, I think I, I'm almost certain I'm going to buy that one. And like the thing is, is that the the Jupiter and the Juno they look so good. I'm think, so, I'm a bit out of the loop on these. Like what I've, I've done do really know about. about no. Okay, so this is that this new thing that Roland are doing called the Roland Boutique series. I think these are the first three products, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and they're completely limited. I think there's only 700 750 for the UK. of each. Yeah, 750 of each. Um, I don't even think it's UK. I think it's worldwide. Really? I think so. Maybe it's UK, but they are they're miniature, so they're like what are they? It's probably like uh yeah, probably like 12 inches or so. Okay. Um and they are I've got a picture of it here actually. People on they, the podcast um, can't see that. No, no, but you can. Um but they, they sit th- in a uh, a 25 key keyboard module which is separate. So yeah, imagine like a 25 key MIDI controller. Okay. Uh, and they've done what they've um they've done a mini essentially it's a mini Juno. Um, a mini Jupiter yeah and a mini JXO3 okay um, and they're amazing they're absolutely amazing so you buy the keyboard set that's like separately as like a sort of dock and then you slot the module right. in yeah, yeah. wow okay. you don't have to you don't have to use the keyboard because no. the actual modules themselves have got a speaker built in what and mm-hmm. obviously they're all MIDI. Yeah, yeah. They run. I think you can they because you can plug them in via USB. They're bus powered, so you, they can power off USB, and they've got an inbuilt speaker oh, how, and, and a headphone out. How much are they? The JXO three is I think two. I think the the Juno and the JXO three are two two nine. Okay. And the Jupiter is two nine nine. And how much yeah. is the keyboard module? Oh, like seventy five quid or something. So for like three hundred and fifty quid, basically you get a, um, like a Jupiter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they oh, so are, they I look, reckon, they're, right. um, they're guaranteed future collectibles. Oh, 100%. yeah, 100%. So these could go on our, in the other category. I think so. Year. I think so. It, what's, what's annoying, though, is I've owned both the Juno 106 and the, and the JXP synth. I've owned both of those full size. Did you? You had a JXO3? Yeah. Did you? I didn't know that. Yeah, but the problem with the problem with those um, were was that it, was, it came out in, I think, 83, and it was the first Roland keyboard to have MIDI. But the problem was, is because it had MIDI, you had to buy a separate programmer which sat on the side of the keyboard, yeah. which had the control knobs on it. Otherwise, apart from that, it was just 12 buttons, and it was like uh, you could access like 128 presets, but you couldn't really edit anything. So I was like, oh, this is like, sounds good, but I really need the controller, and the edit- the like little controller thing was so hard to get hold of. Um, so that- I was just like, I sold it for the Juno. Was that uh, box essentially storing MIDI presets? Yeah, it, effectively, right. but it had loads of control. But it's weird because it's stuck on it with like a magnet and then okay. like plugged into the back. Um, but yeah, all three of these like boutique ones because they use the what do they call it? Analog circuit behavior. Okay, which is the same thing they're using in all the IRA stuff. So it's designed to you know model like analog circuitry basically. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be surprised because some of the like synth modules they've brought out sound absolutely amazing as well and i wouldn't be surprised if there's some like really good stuff coming out like they'll probably do i wouldn't be surprised if they even came out with like another tape echo or something similar like digital but replicated yeah especially with what um you know full tone are doing it the t-rex one like again it's another one of these super frustrating product launches where they announce it and nearly a year later we've still not got any information on it not really but the t-rex um tape echo is is just around the corner like 
I, I really think Boss would be, but Roland would be foolhardy not to. I know that they're they're not about sort of looking back, but I like what they're doing here with the boutique thing, and I think that the Roland boutique thing is a very very exciting concept because, like you say, we could very easily end up seeing, uh, be, start to see like a a reissue of a um. You know, because it's not exactly it's not a like for like reissue, is it? That's it, not it, not no, really what no, they do. Some things have been tweaked, yeah. But the sounds the sounds are the same. But there's some things that they've added on that you never had on the original, uh, which just you know, I mean, the fact that there's the boutique ones have got like inbuilt step sequences and stuff like that. So they've kind of gone, well, here's all the vintage sounds we've recreated digitally, and then here's a load of other stuff that we can do as well. Yeah. So it's kind of like. I reckon there's, there'll be some more cool guitar stuff coming out. Because what I was thinking with the Roland Boutique was hook it up via MIDI to the ES8 and then kind of oh, man. do some weird stuff with the ES8 and then the keyboard. I reckon you could get some... Because you could probably plug both in, one guitar into input one and the keyboard into input two. And then you could run the step sequencer and the guitar at the same time and then use the ES8 to send MIDI signals to the keyboard. So you could do some weird... Because I wonder if you got MIDI... Because obviously, if you plug a MIDI keyboard in, the notes just trigger a sound. You wonder if you could do the same thing with the pedals on an ES8, so you could effectively use the ES8 as a keyboard. That would be weird. <laughs> that would be really weird. Do you remember? A bit I like d- the um, the Moog Taurus, you know, like the the big old Moog synth, but it was just the bass pedals. Well, what I was going to say like, is that um, Boss, I don't know if they still do it, or Roland, sorry, used to do a set of MIDI Hammond pedals. Yeah, that I think they still do. Do BK- they? No. VK, VK8? Yeah, something like that. Because I remember someone bought one for a GR55 once and was doing something weird with it. But yeah, a lot of people buy them for some of their big keyboards. Yeah. For some of like the organs and things like that. Yeah, because they're, you know, they're like a set of Hammond bass notes. But in theory, you could connect one of those up to yeah. a synth um, and have that play your bass notes. I know it's, it's, I know it's not particularly guitar-related talking a lot about synths, but there's also some new... Everyone's going, like, real vintage at the moment because Moog are doing loads of modular synthesizer yeah. stuff as well. It's coming back in a big way, which is super exciting. Have you watched that documentary yet that I told you about, that I Dream of Wires? Yeah, yeah, and it, all it made me want was a really, really expensive modular system. That's right, exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. I'll just sack off all the guitars, yeah. sell everything, and just build a modular system in my house. And just like, just I want loads of modular stuff and like a delay and just like cool delays and stuff now. Yeah, I've uh, I've not seen it yet. I'm desperate. It's really yeah, it's really good. good. It's really good. I'm up for it. So yeah. Um, speaking of um, speaking of the of Moog. Okay. Um, this week I um, that was an excellent transition, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Into what have you been? What have you been doing? What this I've week? been doing this week? Yeah, yeah. sorry. So I'm, I'm, I, I learned. I learned from the best. Mark. You know, I try. <laughs> I learned from the best. I try. Um, Joe Branton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I. Uh, but yeah, this week I. Um, I had a like one day after work. I'd sort of finished everything up, and I was I was waiting for my, my girlfriend was coming to meet me, and I I just had like sort of ten minutes before she showed up. So what I did was I. Um, I grabbed uh, a random tone generator, and we had we just got in a uh, one of those uh, mini Fugas, the their MF ring. Um, we got in one of those um, second hand on the uh, on the cheap. So I was just okay. like, oh, maybe I want to buy this. I'm not sure, but I plugged the uh, random tone generator into the MF uh, ring into a Ibanez uh, Echo Shifter. Oh, it's the ultimate like vintage weird <laughs> and setup. It like it's I lost maybe 15 minutes and uh at one point i just it was it was very much this 
<clears throat> I turn around and like my girlfriend's just like, "What on earth are you doing?" Like, just I'm just on my knees, just like twiddling knobs and stuff. That sounds and- slightly dodgy. <laughs> Girlf- girlfriend caught you on your knees twiddling knobs. twiddling some knobs, and she was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Listen to how good this sounds." She was like, "Yeah, I mean, it sounds amazing, but I don't know what you're doing. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense." And I mean, I don't really know how ring modulators work. No, I know that they're Matty, Perhaps you can explain it because I did a bit of reading on it, but. So from what I understand, a ring modulator takes the LFO signal and like puts some higher frequencies on top as well. Is that right? Yeah, because I think it works in a similar way to most other uh, modulation pedals. So for example, a phaser takes the same signal and duplicates it, but slightly delays it. Yeah. Now I think it does something sim- similar, but it doubles it doubles it in a way and gives it like an octave higher, which is why when you turn the frequency all the way down, you can get some like really cool um, sort of tremolo effects or sort of like uh, vibe effects out of it because you're slowing the signal down completely. Um, Now, yeah, what's it? Yeah, so basically it just multiplies two signals. So you've got the original one and then obviously the affected signal. And then depending on... um, the speed of the second signal gives you the effect. So by turning it all the way up, it's like a super fast tremolo in a sense. And that's where that sort of ring modulation sound comes from. And then depending on what frequency wave you use, varies how it sounds. Yeah. Uh, because there's, you know, the electroharmonics ring thing. Yeah. Which is that ring modulator, uh, ring modulator pedal they bought out. It's got like some amazing tremolo sounds in it. And you just think, how? Hold on, this isn't a tremolo pedal, but because it works on a similar sort of, in a similar way, you can get some some of those sort of sounds out of it, and that's actually why they're one of the most versatile pedals out there. Are they analog? I think that one is digital. Right. They do one called the Frequency Analyzer, yeah. which is analog, uh, but it runs at forty volts. Of course, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if they changed that in the modern one or not. I don't think so because that's still one of the it's one of the only big ones left. That's isn't it? just handy what? for your your you know your pedal board. Like, <laughs> it'll, surely all pedals, you know, you must have at least one or two forty volt pedals on your on your board yeah. that you can sit it alongside. Just imagine if you lost the power supply, Wait. or accidentally plugged a different pedal into it, it would just melt. Just at that point, it's like you might as well just throw that pedal away and buy another one because the power supply is probably going to cost exactly the <laughs> yeah. same as the pedal. So, just buy a whole other box. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I I and I've been threatening it for a little while, but I'm definitely going to get a uh, RTG, a random tone generator. This like when you first when it was first announced and Matt lost his mind over it, I was just like, I don't really understand what's to get excited about. You can't plug anything into it, and now my rationale on it is you don't need to plug anything into it i know it just makes the sound for yeah, you you don't and even have to play guitar anymore it sounded it just sounds so good it sounds it's such a great pedal it's so fun and they're 30 quid yeah i mean they're just like a little toy to pick up aren't they like a good little christmas present like yeah i'm thinking of doing a video actually of like top five gifts to buy a guitarist that's a really this good christmas idea. And yeah for like 30 quid yeah, yeah absolutely and it's it's, it's cool the sort of thing. thing that very few people would have, but it's they're just they're so fun. Yeah, I I, I just I because there's only two controls on it. You've just got the rate and the um uh what do they call it? The shift. What's the little switch do? It switches between. Oh, glide. Oh yeah. So it's like whether the, whether it's like 
it's like portamento, isn't it? Yeah. So if it glides between two yeah. ropes. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realise they're only 30 quid. They're so cheap, man. Yeah. So, so cheap. So yeah, I'm definitely going to get one of those and I might buy the this uh, MF ring that we've got in as well because it's just... Nice. I just oh, It just seems so, so cool. Uh, so I've just sold that. Um, I sold my Vox. Yeah. And um, I was going to use it to um, like... Like... like pay off my credit card or something but I mean, yeah. actually I will do that but I, I also I think I'm just going to save the money rather than buying like another buy some pedals well buy no I think I'm just going to get the get the um, put all the money down for the Roland Boutique okay I'm, re- I'm really into having them okay I think they're going to be really really going around your house soon is going to be really weird because you just won't have any guitars <laughs> out and they'll just be like random tone generator a couple of synths like a rack mounted space echo I thought you were punk do you know I what am, I mean mate Unbelievable. You don't know what punk is anymore. It's this, since. It's since, yeah, that's the new punk. Yeah. Um, so this this week, uh, I've not been playing, as with last week, I've not been playing any guitar, really. Not seriously, because I've got a bit of a finger injury um, <laughs> from climbing. Um, but I did get a box of stuff from um, MXR and Dunlop um, to try out as some potential gear of the year stuff. Um, so I got a... Uh, so this is all on loan, by the way. Um, got... A way huge uh, saffron squeeze, the way huge blue hippo, uh, a crybaby mini, um, and MXR carbon copy, and a, for a comparison with the carbon copy bright. Um, have you guys had a go on any of this, those bits so far? It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. So, uh, sorry, go Jay, you go. Oh, I was just going to say. So when Mark Mark popped in to see me a couple of days ago, and he went. Oh man, I've just got the carbon copy bright, and like I plugged it in against the carbon copy, it's so much brighter. I'm like, yeah, that's like- <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously. But it's not. It's not just that it's brighter. It's that it's a different type of delay pedal. It is, yeah. Like the original carbon copy is like very kind of sludgy, like super analog, like almost like tapey sounding. Whereas the carbon copy bright is like snappy and cuts through, and it sounds. It's almost like veering towards more the sort of sound you get off like a digital delay. Um, in the, it retains a lot more of that yeah. top end clarity, obviously because it's the it's the bright. But I actually think that them calling it the carbon copy bright has done the pedal a little bit of disservice. Yes and no, because obviously it tells you exactly what it does. But also, I think if they called it something else, maybe it wouldn't have got another. A, so much attention yeah. yeah if they called it like even something that sounds like a carbon copy like if they called it like the xerox machine i'm sure they can't for copyright reasons yeah. but you know like the photocopier yeah it's something i'm prob that's a terrible name but you know like <laughs> but like if they called it something that relates to you know what that is i think it would have people would have viewed it as something a bit more exciting rather than um I, I, I've certainly experienced that um, a, a lot of people are like, well, I've already got a carbon copy. Why yeah. do I need the carbon copy bright? It's going to be the same. But it's not. They do sound very different. Very, very different. And um, and I, I I think that that, that that thought has kind of got lost because of the name. And that's really yeah. unlike MXR because I think they, and Dunlop in general, I think are very good with their names generally. Yeah. I think they, um, you know, they, they, they tend to... Uh, get like get the point across very very well 
Um, and I'm sure that you'll snap something back at me, which is... Which I was going to say, uh, I mean, is, when you start veering down the way huge, you know, the fat sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah really, yeah. Uh, not very descriptive. No, no, no. But, like, I, I think way huge is, a, is like... It is. It's, it's, a, like it's a, a different side it's a, brand. It's a different ideology, isn't it, on, yeah. on a lot of their pedals. But um, MXR and Dunlop, you know, they're very, they're very linked and they're very... They're just very... Um, Dunlop, Dunlop is a very, very cool company, I think. Yeah. They, they do everything in-house... Um, they, all, they all the boxes and everything. They make their own strings. They've got yep. their own string machines. They any like if you ever go into a guitar store and see any MXR or Dunlop point of sale stuff. So um, excuse me. Sometimes you'll see um, like uh, a, a, a display unit that will hold a number of wire pedals. Yeah, that's been made in the factory in the Dunlop. That's factory. cool, isn't it? They yeah, they, they just it. do everything themselves, which I think is really cool. And I think. Uh, MXR specifically are, are very I don't know I just think they're, they're very focused on what they do and yeah, um, yeah I just I just feel this is a little uncharacteristic of them for I, I just think they got the name slightly wrong yeah and I just I, I, I think the look of it uh, don't get me wrong I think this pedal is it's a amazing. serious gear yeah. of the year contender oh yeah like, yeah yeah um, Carbon Copy Bright I think for me is the best kind of single type delay I've heard for a while obviously you know there's DD500 yeah. and stuff like that that's got loads more sounds and does other things but if you just wanted like a single delay you know compact delay pedal it'd be a great one to just put on the board yeah uh, i think i prefer it to the carbon copy right i have to admit um but yeah in terms of the styling you know they just made it a bit of a kind of lighter green and the font doesn't look quite as good and stuff like that whereas the carbon copy looks amazing because it's that dark sparkle green and looks awesome um but yeah i think uh it in one way the name is perfect because it tells you exactly what it yeah. does uh, and obviously, you know, if you know what the carbon copy is, then you'll kind of know what they're going for and be interested. Um, if they'd have called it something different, you wouldn't necessarily know that, but it might make it stand out yeah. a little bit more. So that's my only criticism of it. Like, I, I, I think it's a really, really cool pedal. Yeah, hundred um, percent. As is the Crybaby Mini. Uh, Matt, have you had a chance to try a Crybaby Mini? Yeah, they are awesome. They really I are. I think they sound so much better than a normal crybaby. Do you? Uh, See, I, I didn't get a chance. I've got a crybaby here on the board, and I didn't get a chance to AB them because um, I was just plugging these pedals in quickly. Um, and it was just so easy to use. Like I thought it was going to be, like you know, not have enough sweep and just feel a bit clunky because of the size. But actually, it just feels perfect. feels really yeah. good. I, I, I must admit, because I, I, every time I, I hold one, I think this is far too small. But then every time I use one, I'm like, actually, this is just the right size. Yeah. Yeah. And um, for someone like me, I, like, I've got one uh, space left on the visual sound power supply that I'm using on my board. So I can effectively plug one more pedal in. But the crybaby that I've got on my board is taking up too much room. So I can't fit another pedal in. Yeah. So if I can switch out the full size crybaby for a crybaby mini. That gives me room on the board to put another pedal in, and I can yeah, use up that last space on the power supply. Thing is, wire is one of those ones that I always like. I want one on my pedal board, but I don't use it enough. But when I put one on, I'm like, it's too big. Yeah. So it kind of just makes perfect sense to have one of them. And yeah, because you can change the set. Do you know you can change the sounds inside as well as a little dip switch for changing Ooh. the. Uh, for there's three different wire modes, I think, inside that you can change via a little dip switch. Okay, I did not know that. I'm going to um, yeah. open it up. Uh, I think I'm going to spend a bit more time with it this week and, uh, and see how I get on. The way huge stuff I definitely need to spend a bit more time with. Like, the Saffron Squeeze has got potential, um, but it takes... 
I think it's just because I don't have that much experience with compressor pedals. Like, it takes a little while to get your head around it. Like, I found it was just sucking too much volume out um, and was making it sound a little thin. So I just need to, like, spend some time with it, I think. Yeah, there's quite a lot of controls on that there as well. Is. So you kind of have yeah. to sort of, like, muck around with it for ages until you kind of find a sweet spot really yeah in the past i've only really used things like the um, dynacomp where it's obviously just a single control um yeah and it's you turn it up if you want more compression whereas that gives you loads of options you've got like tone amount of sustain attack volume and level or something i think um, yeah yeah i think you can add like almost like some drive into the circuit can't you yeah it's like yeah it's like gain control that's what it was um, doing but it it looks awesome, and obviously it's a reissue of one that he did before. But yeah, I think it's one of those ones that it can be like really full on if you want it to, or you can have it set like really, really subtle. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I I really like a lot of the stuff they're coming out with. The Blue Hippo, which is the chorus, is like absolutely amazing as well. I've got that here as well, so maybe you need to spend a bit of time with that if you think it could be uh, could be on the list. Did that come out this year, Blue Hippo? I guess uh, it did. Yes, it did, yeah. And it's limited edition, that, because it uses um, the the actual chip, the actual chorus chip itself is like a, a limited one. So I think now you've got 500 of those, so I think they're limited to something like 500 worldwide. Okay, good to know. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give those a bit more, t- bit more of a run-in and uh, potentially add them to the gear of the year list, which is, uh, I guess, approaching quickly, isn't it? I think we're going to going to do it towards the end of november so we've got plenty of time to get out for christmas so yeah and there's a couple of products that are obviously haven't actually hit the shops yet that could potentially be on the list as well because i know the helix comes out in about two weeks I yeah think. i think the uh the floorboard unit is a couple of weeks away okay line six helix something to um something for you guys to investigate and, and feedback yeah um but definite yeah. definite potential something else that's got a lot of potential to be on gear of the year list gibson 2016 Shall we dive Indeed. into the news? News. Thank you very much, Joe Branton, stand in. Thank you. Very good. <laughs> um, so uh, I wanted to, to we, we've spoken about it for the last couple of weeks, um, that Gibson 2016s have landed in the UK. Um, Matt, you've had some time with them. Jay, you've had a bit of time with them. Yep. Um, I think we should do just a full rundown um, I've got a list of all the models here, um, and I've got a list of pricing. So we'll do Les Paul's cheapest to most expensive, SG's cheapest to most expensive, and other other pointy guitars mm. cheapest to most expensive. Uh, and we can do a little rundown of the spec. Matt, you can give a kind of hands-on impression of them. Um, mm. So first up, the Gibson Les Paul CMT. These are all traditional models, aren't they? In that they're calling it. The traditional series, is that right? Yeah, they're just they're calling it like traditional spec. Yeah. Um I think main, mainly to try and get as far away maybe from last year's sort of spec as possible. Yeah. So uh, so everything from the, that we're gonna read out now is the traditional spec. So first up, uh yeah, Les Paul C M at five hundred and sixty nine quid. What's the um, what's the spec and what are your thoughts? Um, I really like it. It's basically uh, kind of uh, a new melody maker in a sense, or kind of like because there's no junior this year, um, which is a shame because I've had a few people going, "Oh, I want to try like a, a junior," and it's like, "Well, there's no 2015s left, and they're not really making anything in 2016." So I suppose this is the closest thing to um, to a Les Paul Junior, which is just a 61 humbucker, which is the same humbucker they used in um, some of the SGs and the uh, um, the Les Paul sat- piece. 
had the 61 yes. in it. Oh, the piece. What a classic. Um, and yeah, it's kind of just like thin line body, um, sort of mahogany, mahogany neck. Carved carve top, right? Yeah. And uh, and a single wraparound bridge. Um, it's a shame it only comes in one colour, but it does look pretty good in the black. I really like this guitar. I think this is really cool. I, I mean, because the CM came out as part of the 2015 range as well. Um, and yeah, it was just sort of set aside from everything else. It's kind of halfway between a junior, a melody maker, and a and, studio, and I guess. A, well, like, and an and a LPJ. Yeah, think, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's really really cool. They play really lovely, um, and it's it's you know, it's sub six hundred pounds. Yep. For yeah. an like, you can still buy an Epiphone at that price. Yeah, and it's American-made guitar. Hard case, gig bag? Hard case? Gig bag. Gig, no, bag. gig bag. Gig bag on the 2016 ones. Basically, everything, you don't get a hard case until studio, like the, the standard studio studios. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so they've gone back to what they were doing a few years ago, which is basically everything comes with the gig bag. But also, the well, um, which we'll get to, the Amer- the standard SGs at 999 also only come with a gig bag. Really? Okay, yeah. just quickly on the CM, what's the neck profile? Um, I think it's... I don't know what they're calling that one specifically, it's but it's a, not like a super chunky neck profile. It's just like a standard... I right. thought it was just a standard 60s, like 60s slim taper like they were doing before. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know if they've actually changed the name of the neck profiles they're doing this year or whether they're just kind of calling it like a slim profile or like... Because I know that... They, I know in 2015, like every model had like a specific neck profile, didn't it? Like nearly every model had like its own neck yeah, profile. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but but everything had the same width neck. Yeah, uh, which made things really confusing. Where this one, I think they're just going like either vintage or sort of modern, so slim or thick, basically. Yeah, yeah. So uh, next up on the list at 649 quid, the uh, Lesbo Studio Faded. Um, what's the spec? What colours are available? What's your thoughts? Uh, amazing uh, these guitars were always so popular because it's basically I think it's almost exactly the same as the ones they made um, 2013 2013 uh, or 2012 I think it's 2012 I don't okay. think they did them in 2013 they were they were making before that because it, it's the same it's very very similar to the SG special faded that I've got from 2008 um, but obviously just the satin sort of matte wood finish but it's got a graph tech nut on it uh, 59 profile neck um, and burst bucker pro pickups so it's kind of like an amazing spec guitar with a gig bag for like hardly any money and the top they put on them is like a slightly flamed top as well okay um, so they look really class um, and they're not using that weird like on the CM's got that kind of satin hardware on it Yes. Like that really unpolished sort of satin metal hardware. This one's full chrome. Okay. Um, and obviously just a standard neck, um, Cluson style tuners, you know, no weird nuts or auto tune or anything like that. It's just like a completely sort of like stripped back Les Paul. These have always been really popular with metal guys because uh, they look kind of like beaten up pretty quickly. You know, those faded yeah. finishes, they look kind of road worn. 
um, with you know very little effort. Um, and I guess the Burst Bucket 3s are kind of fairly modern sounding, would you say? Yeah, actually, the amount I've seen secondhand with EMGs... Yeah, uh, yeah, completely. Yeah. ...how popular they are for, for people who are into that sort of music because they're so... Because the... Um, the circuit boards in because the the electronics in them just one circuit board and it comes out as like one complete unit yeah you can basically pull it out and then you've got a completely empty uh, sort of guitar cavity that you can just pop all new electronics into it I, um, ideal so for kind of modding and stuff like that you know you yeah, could 100%. you could take one of these and you know if, I see a lot of Les Paul players who like want to strip a bit of the finish off the neck and stuff like that um, yeah so for 649 quid if you wanted a guitar that you could then go and project on um, later on down the line you're getting a, quite a lot of guitar for that money you're getting a lot of guitar considering that there wasn't in 2015 right in the 2015 range there was nothing at that sort of price range no. really because um, I think even the LPMs when they first came out were 899 yeah, yeah. They, yeah they were a lot of money which is quite a jump up from LPGAs from the year before when really, they were 499 or something yeah. like that yeah, yeah. bonkers yeah so next on the list, both at seven hundred and forty-nine quid, uh, the Les Paul fifties tribute and the Les Paul sixties tribute. Um, what's the score of these? Um, so if I remember rightly, the, this is this is the only thing that I found weird. The fifties tribute has humbuckers, but the sixties tribute has P nineties. Very weird. Now, That's the wrong way round. I it? would have thought. Yeah, I would have thought it had been the other way round. And it was. But- the, no, that can't be right. It is, yeah. That is that is the, the, that is the way they're going. That's very weird because that was what had that was the way. That's the opposite of not only sort of received wisdom, but also what they were before. Yeah, I'm wondering whether they're going for like a 68, and they're doing like a sort of weird custom. Okay. Um, and then on the 50s, they're going for kind of like a 58. I guess sort of yeah. thing because. The neck profile um, on the fifties is like a rounded fifties profile, like a like a fifty eight. It has a four ninety R and a four nine eight T, which are the kind of like classic studio style um, humbuckers from sort of a few years ago. Uh, one piece rosewood fingerboard, um, obviously mahogany body, maple cap. But the sixties one um, is the, basically the same spec, but I think. It's got the 60 slim taper neck profile, and then obviously these two P90s. So I'm wondering if they're going for a much later 60s Gibson. That's a weird choice, uh, isn't it? Because you think, like, traditionally, when you think of a 60s Les Paul, you know, you look at, like, Les Paul Classics, which are, uh, you know, two humbuckers and a 60 slim profile. Mm. Weird to then put two P90s in. Yeah. What's yeah. the um, what's the what's the finishing on these guitars? They satin like the they're uh, satin finish. Yeah, okay. they're burst coloured, but obviously they're um, satin satin finish. No gold tops um, available on these. I can't remember if they're doing a satin gold top. Yeah, they're doing in the fifty spec. They're doing um, a satin gold top. That's um, weird. So humbuckers, but in a gold top. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose you would have had. The option of doing that in fifty-seven, yeah, um, but they're uncovered pickups, which I think is a little bit of a shame. But I think it, I don't know if it's just because of the the four ninety and the four ninety-eight humbuckers. Just that's how they just make them uncovered. Yeah, because um, I personally think they look better. Uh, they'd look better with either zebra pickups or they'd look better with chrome covers. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's quite tempting to get like 
maybe get a 50s one and then pop in some, for example, Seymour Duncan Fat Cats or something like that. Like, put two humbucker-sized yeah. P90s in there. I reckon that'd be a top yeah. little guitar. And again, 749, yeah. um, come the gig bag. They seem to me like either those or the Studio Faded's are like the best bargain on this list, really. Yeah. It's um it's one of those things where you're kind of like they've really reduced the amount of models and the amount of cut yes yeah. yeah they've gone for it's all like their kind of models that everyone really wanted yeah definitely they've gone for you know stripped it back and they've stripped back the spec on the guitars you know in terms of there's no brass nut there's no um g-force tuning you get a gig bag but the price has been dropped significantly or the price that yeah. guitars start from has has dropped significantly and the best the best looking one in in that sort of range in the 60s one they do one in a honey burst yep. which looks amazing because when that wears in that will look so good yeah yeah definitely I just think they've they've sort of gone um, a little bit more conservative which is what people kind of wanted yeah you know I, th- I think you know because there's no ocean blue there's no placid purple this year which you know there have been for the last no couple hemp of years. green yeah and it's just it's i just think it's um it's it's this is exactly what everybody wanted they have actually listened yeah 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 they're just they're the right price point absolutely they are yeah you know listen let's talk about the next one list uh uh, 1199 the lesbian studio um is this the same spec but with a gloss finish as the studio faded uh as far as I'm aware, yes, I don't think there's any massive differences. Yeah, so it's the 490 and the 498, um, you know, high nitro lacquer, um, graph tech nuts. So, so that's different, wasn't it? It was Burst Bucker 3s in the Faded. Yes, but I think it's Burst Bucker Pros in the, uh, yeah, so like the 3 in, in the Faded, but then the sort of the 490s and 498s, which is what they'd put in, they've been putting in studios for years and years and years that's what they always uh, had so from the i guess from the 90s onwards um, i mean i got when i got the black one out of the case i was like this just reminds me of like one of the first les pauls that i remember getting out of the case like 10 years ago Do yeah you know what i mean they've kind of on that that that's a studio to me that's what a les paul studio has always been and that's the way it should almost always be yeah you know just really kind of stripped back great playing guitar nice range of colors and a good price and a great price i think it's they're probably a couple of hundred quid more than they used to be but because you've got two or three levels below that it kind of makes sense to have them around that sort of price point because you get a really high spec guitar for that sure sure Um, and is it hard case on those or gig bag uh it's hard case on those and they actually come with a rosewood thick book uh fingerboard you know i think a few years ago the last time they did that spec they had granadillo fingerboards sure um, so going back to Rosewood again which is nice but the one thing I was going to say is, uh, a minute ago was that I think it's difficult with Gibson because what they've done is they've probably like massively damaged themselves from last year and just the amount of kind of people what people said about them last year Sure, but I think this will kind of like restore people's faith they're in, back, back on track because so, you know yeah. the 2012s and 13s we really like 2014s they had some good guitars but they had some cosmetic uh, weirdness you know things like the 120th anniversary inlay yeah 2015s obviously you know people have had some issues with them there's still some there's some standout guitars there Um, there's some features that we've really liked we've talked about things like the brass nut and the the, uh, benefits Mm. of that 
but yeah, this obviously they've kind of uh, taken all that feedback and gone. Okay, we're just going to strip everything back to basics. You know, yeah. Um, the studios come in some cool. So they're the they're the only model that come in like a range of weird colours. Okay, what we got? But they're weird in a sense that they're actually like still kind of cool. So they obviously do black in chrome or gold hardware, white in chrome or gold hardware, wine red in the same, and then they do like a silver. Um, they do an Inverness green, a Pelham blue, and a Cardinal red. So uh, basically, colours that everyone likes. Yeah, effectively, the re- the red I think looks awesome. Um, the card- Cardinal red. red. Yeah, it's a pretty in your face red, but it does look very very good. I need to have a look at these because uh, uh, there's some awesome colours there. Pelham blue, the white I think is still like a really good option. Um, and yeah, Cardinal red is really red, isn't it? Yeah, looks yeah. good. I like it a lot. So um, next up, uh, everyone's favourite Les Paul, the Les Paul traditional sixteen nine nine. What are they doing with the traditional this year? Because the last few years, traditional classic standards have all been kind of a little confusing. They've had areas where they've crossed over. Um, what's the traditional for twenty uh, sixteen? So basically, I got one out of the case and was like, "Yeah, this is the guitar that everyone's going to want. It's the right price for most people. I think they're all going to be about sixteen nine nine." Classic 57s, one-piece rosewood board, rounded neck profile, um, Gravtech nut, standard nut width. Um, so, you know, they've gone back to how they used to be, which yep. is one thing we haven't really mentioned, is that obviously last year they were much thicker. This, they've gone back to, like, the standard traditional-sized um, neck width. Yeah. Um, you know, mahogany body, amazing flame tops. Um, the only kind of non-traditional thing, I suppose, is they are traditional weight relieved. Um, but, and I suppose it's one thing they decide to keep just to kind of maybe keep the weight down. So they kept uh, the weight relief from last year? Yeah. No, yes. from 2012. No. So they've gone back to the... Um, Six they, holes, I think. They've gone it? back to the... When they were... the. the oh, crikey. The no, 2011, I think, was when okay. they were the standard traditionals. Oh, yeah, when they first is that right? I think that's right, isn't it? When they first yeah, released then. this model, they were the Les Paul standard traditionals and they had the modern weight relief. Okay, um, I think is the case. Okay, um, and then 2012, I think they did away with it, maybe, or in 2013, maybe 2013 was the only year that they did away with it. Okay. So um, this the traditional tradi- traditional that you got out of the case, Matt. What was the flame top on it like? Just looking pretty subtle, or was it like really blingy? Or they they I mean, compared to the standards, the standards which we'll get to have like crazy flame tops. Uh, the 58s have subtler flame tops, but they're still quite flame heavy. Yeah, uh, and that's just what people like because um, you know I think 58s never really had massively flame tops. And 59s always had crazier flame tops, but people tend to go like crazy for the really flame tops. Yeah. So I think they're using a slightly lower grade or slightly thicker or wider flame tops on traditionals and then much tighter flame tops um, on standards. Okay, sure, but sure. they look like proper. They, I, I mean, I would say that they look like a glossier version of a 58 or a 59 what um, what colors are they uh, they doing the traditionals in uh light burst desert burst iced tea honey burst tea burst and fireball okay and amber 
Um, now the only issue is, especially for like me and Jay, who work, uh, who both work in guitar shops, is that some. They've, I remember a few years ago, and I think you probably remember the same thing, Mark. Is that a lot of the colours start to look really similar? I mean, when you've got one called Ice Tea Burst and one called Tea Burst, yeah, and they look very similar. Yeah, yeah. It was really like, really difficult, uh, like matching the guitar to the case. I remember a few years ago because you'd label the yeah. case up, like, oh yeah, this is a traditional in iced tea and then put it put the case away in the storeroom put the guitar out and then sell you know sell the guitar and then go back to the cases and be like actually i don't know what color that guitar is yeah i've absolutely no idea it could be you know uh honey burst iced tea tea burst all look really similar they all look similar yeah oh and they're doing heritage cherry sunburst which i um, oh, of course was the only one i've mentioned so there's, i think there's yeah, eight colors in the traditional okay. range this just uh, it really really sounds like they've gone Okay, what did we used to do really well a few years ago? These are the colours that we did that were really good. This was the simple spec that we did. We sold loads of these guitars. Let's just do that. Let's make 2016 a really good year for Les Pauls. Yeah, and you know, and then I think it opens up that if you want to do something weird or you want to do a limited run, you can leave it as a limited run and you're yeah. probably going to sell what you make rather than making it that's what everyone have to ha- has to have yeah. and then you've, you've got loads of them. Yeah, sure, sure. Um. Let's talk about the flagship then. Let's talk about the Les Paul Standard. Now, it's a guitar that's changed a lot in the last five, ten years. Um, you know, uh, changes in 2012 and adding circuit boards and locking nitric jacks. And last year, obviously, you know, quite a uh, sort of price hike and auto tuners and brass nut and different weight relief and uh, circuit on a circuit board. Where does the standard stand now? Price wise, uh, £2,099. Um, what's the spec? Uh, so, um, oh, one thing I forgot to mention about the finishes is that not none of the standards um, are candy finishes. Okay, so, so there's you no, know, obviously no last year they were, yeah they were like a slightly glittery finish, um, and there's no Supremes this year. So there's not so the, basically the standard is the highest level that you get before you go into a, into a custom shop. Okay, um, so what they've done well which is I think what they've always done is they've kind of said right well your traditionals you're really classic Les Paul and then if you want something a little bit more modern you know here's the standard so you've got a thinner neck profile uh, um, obviously mahogany body maple cap but they're using a triple A maple so you get super flame tops uh, burst bucker pro so much more modern um, sounding guitar modern rate relief so much lighter uh, and locking machine heads as well so still manual tuners but then you've got traditional uh, locking machine heads which obviously give you sort of more tuning stability as well the only thing they've kept from last year which is the thing they kept from the year before which is all the electronics so coil taps phase and straight to output jack see this is what it sounded like they were trying to do last year with the standard in the the rest of the range should have been like regular Les Pauls and then the the standard they were saying okay they're a bit more expensive but they are the standard the standard now doesn't mean oh this is like an old standard no that's the traditional it's the new standard it's the what a Les Paul could be or what it should be this sounds like they've done exactly that they've taken traditional spec or traditional features and they've added stuff that is not necessarily there to please people that want a traditional Les Paul but it's actual steps forward in guitar technology kind yeah. of like the american deluxe strat completely for, you know completely yeah or yeah. you know the, um, even the standard to some extent you know they've made small changes along the line that mean that it is a bit 
they are progressing the technology on, you know. Yeah. 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 I think the um, the only thing that I can't confirm and I and I can't and I and I don't know why this is, but for some reason these aren't listed on the Gibson website, but they are listed obviously like worldwide across loads of guitar stores. So I don't know whether there's a different site that's I don't know, not gone live or anything yet. Because obviously we're not actually in 2016, but these guitars are sort of ready to go. I think the standards also have a compound radius fingerboard. So I think they go up to a flatter 14-inch radius further up the top end, which obviously kind of makes for, once again, a more modern guitar. Um, But it's worth pointing out as well on weight relief that they still leave the majority of the mahogany underneath, underneath the actual um, tailpiece, and the saddles because that's where obviously it makes connection to the body and that's how it's going to resonate so by taking the wood out underneath you don't have as much contact with the body so you don't obviously get as much sort of resonance so they do always leave that in when they weight relieving the guitars should we have a talk about sgs yes a couple of sgs uh, on the list this year and this sounds awesome 599 quid sg special what um what's the special all about uh well this was when i got one out of the case i was like this is great because this is basically the guitar that i've already got and i've loved it for you know nearly 10 years and it's just an awesome bit of kit basically solid mahogany body that's carved uh 490 um humbuckers in both the neck and the bridge one piece rosewood fingerboard gig bag gravtech nut standard tuners you know it what more do you want really if you want to if you want a cheaper sg and you don't want to spend a thousand pounds on the standard they're just absolutely perfect are they faded finish faded finish and then they come in a worn cherry or a warm brown so again they've just gone back to what they were doing five six years ago and producing a guitar that like you say if you want an sg you don't want to spend a lot of money um like the studio faded let's pull um it's the kind of ideal way in again great metal players guitar um, yeah, you see a lot great of for modding and stuff like that as well. Great for modding, as you've done by the sound. You've have you still got P90s in yours? I've got a P90 in the neck, and I've got a Demazio Path in the bridge. Okay, so similar to the um, Gary Moore BFGs that came out, um, what about seven years ago? Yeah, those ones that had the weird, um, those crazy quilt tops on them. Yeah, but it was like a carved yeah. quilt, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, but that, that I mean that's just such a good guitar for 599 and a great way for people to, to kind of get into if they don't want to play a Les Paul because um, I think last year every all of the SG range was slightly weird and, and I think with such a thin body and then such a wide neck on the 2015s it just put a lot of people off where the neck on this is much slimmer uh, the guitars are and much better balanced so they just feel nicer to play yeah where are we at with the um, SG standard this year price wise 999 um, what do we expect I mean you kind of know what to expect from an SG standard but does this uh, does this hit the mark yeah I mean the first of all it's the right colour cherry um, I mean when I started uh, working in guitar shops what nine near nine ten years ago and the cherry was like a real like post box red I'm sure you remember Mark they were like yeah, definitely the wrong colour. <laughs> it was really weird because the standard, um, when they were doing an SG Special and an SG Standard, the standards always looked, like you say, like post-box red, and the specials yeah. looked like, you know, an Angus Young SG. They looked like that proper yeah. deep cherry. Yeah. Um, so what the new standard looks like that, does it? It's that kind of traditional SG uh, Yeah, shade. I mean, basically, I 
I think what they've done is they've made sure that the cherry is slightly um, like translucent, so you can see the great, you can see the mahogany underneath. So it's obviously really nicely stained mahogany, and then like a clearer cherry coat on top. Yeah. Um, basically the same spec as the as the faded, um, just a slightly different bridge pickup. And I assume that you've got um, trapezoid inlays and yeah. binding on the neck as well, whereas the special yeah. doesn't have that. Yeah, that's right. So obviously, cosmetically, your main difference is, but the guitars are almost the same uh, in terms of kind of actual specs. But yeah, there's a few cosmetic differences. But just, I mean, you know, the per- for anyone who's wanted like an Angus Young guitar or you know something similar, it's just perfect. And uh, you know, sub a, sub a thousand pounds, black or cherry. They don't need to do any fancy colours. They don't need to do anything different with it. Just, you know, a really solid guitar. That's kind of the vibe right across this range, isn't it? It's just like, yeah, they've got it right this year. Yeah, yeah. it's just really solid. Yeah. They're also, talking about getting it right this year, we've lost uh, Les Paul Juniors and Les Paul Specials, but we've gained some pointy stuff. Um, first up, uh, Firebird at 849. Yeah, these are the only ones I've not yet seen. I okay. think these ones are running slightly later because um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Gibson are kind of staggering what's being released as well because yeah. you know I think more people are probably going to buy a, a faded studio or an SG standard than they are maybe you know something slightly more pointy um, but yeah amazing because they've bought those guitars back they're solid um, sort of you know straight to the point spec exactly how they should be you know so you've still got the Steinberger um, tuning machine heads on there the standard um, Firebird mini humbuckers. Uh, you've got the proper nine ply um, construction, so walnut mahogany uh, neck and, and body. It's just like exactly what it should be, and they're like half the price of they were. What? I mean, only three or four years ago they were fourteen nine nine. I think it's yeah. weird, isn't it? Because they're gloss finish, aren't they? Yeah. And yeah, they're four nine. I like. I, I, I it seems think, weird. I think the Firebird is the the best value. A hundred percent. In comparison yeah. to in comparison to what has been before and what's available, you know, those Firebirds, even the ones at fifteen hundred quid or whatever, they were so few and far between. Like Gibson made very very few of them. I think this is just this is brilliant. This is absolutely a brilliant looking guitar for a crazy price. Just in general, yeah. like no one can complain about Gibson pricing this year. Like Firebird for eight four nine. Les Paul Standard. So, what was the Les Paul Standard last year? Two six nine nine. Two four six nine, I think. Two four. Yeah. In fact, no. I think they were. They might have even started at more than that. I'm coming if they were two five nine nine before that. And now they're two oh. Because they were like they were six hundred quid more, whatever they were. Because they were definitely like you. We were like. I remember when we were talking about them. We were like, yeah, standards are going to be six hundred pounds more, and that's just such a, a huge, huge amount sum. of money. To- and and well, I remember us talking about it at the time. Just like, where can they go from here? You, surely they're not going to... It can't go, go up. Can't go, yeah, can't go up. And are they going to go back on the price? And they they inevitably have, which is, you know, I, yeah. I think that's the, you know, that's the market making its voice heard to a certain degree, isn't that, it? The fibre yeah. price is bonkers. Like, it's really tempting. It, it really, really is. I don't... I'm, I've never really got on with Firebirds, but 849 for a gloss American-made Firebird with the proper tuners, proper American-made pickups in there... Hard case, I'd imagine. Yeah, I actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they were a gig bag. Yeah, maybe. Uh, price, yeah, 
But you, I mean, you wouldn't want a hard case, would you? But that's true. I wouldn't need it. Like, the thing is, is if you flogged that, just looking around at your guitars now, if you flogged that Aria that you've got there. I've got a space on the guitar rack. Well, if you flogged the Aria and maybe the, um, the, the lap steel, you could stick a, you could probably stick a 200 quid deposit down on that and then do the rest over finance. Would not be a lot of money, would it? 60 quid a month or something like that? Probably less. Yeah. Mm, maybe even less tempting. than that. So, also new, um, Explorers and Flying Vs. Again, exactly what you'd expect. Uh, they're 999 quid, um, which is cheaper than they were last time. Because I think they were 1199 last production run, yeah. or 1099. Yeah. So, around, you know, 100, 100 to 200 quid off what they were when they were last in the catalogue. Um, again, just seems like bonkers that they're that cheap. Yeah, and the great thing about the Flying Vs... I love the fact that they're, the necks are bound, the tops are bound. They've put zebra humbuckers on them um, and they've put slightly hotter pickups in them than they have anything else in the rest of the range because, to be honest, most of those people playing those guitars are probably going to want something with a bit more power behind it. Um, so you've got a hot output 496 and a 500 um, sort of ceramic pickups with a slim taper neck. I mean, it's just like, yeah. Brilliant, and I think if they'd have been over a thousand pounds, I think we would have gone. Oh, maybe they'll be a, they're a bit too much money, but you know, it, I just think an, an awesome guitar for that. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure I'm that keen on the binding on the uh, on the V, um, but I can completely see why they've done it, and I, I'm not too into it, in the same way that I'm not hugely into the binding on like a Lesbo Custom, just I, I understand why people like it, I think it looks it's, it's very stark, but personally it's just not my taste, mm. but this looks like a Lesbo Custom do you know what I mean, with that binding there, just yeah. it, it just really like puts it out, obviously it's not a Lesbo Custom because it's a Flying V, but that's that's what they're going for, they're going for that sort of custom like top end spec uh, design but yeah, a grand. Yeah, which is it's amazing. And the Explorer, the Explorer has the same pickups as the V. It's just the Explorer body shape. Yeah, I see. I think the Explorer, I think the Explorer looks amazing. I've, after yeah. owning a Epiphone Explorer for a bit and like quite liking it, but not having a use for it, like the the Gibson Explorer for that money is like quite tempting. In, like I quite want to get one again, yeah. but you know, it's just finding a use for it. I suppose. Um, yeah. We're massively over time. We've got we've gone over an hour already. Um, we've got a ton of questions, but I guess we'll do some questions uh, in the Patreon yeah. episode, and then we'll do the rest of these questions next week. So we've got a whole batch. Um, we've got nobody to, to read out the questions in any funny voices. We've got no one to read out the questions in funny voices, but I guess in the Patreon episode, we'll do a question about uh, double humbucker tellies from Luke. Uh, we'll do a question about... Um, Jaguar mods from Gabriel. We'll do a question about high watt amps from Will, um, and we'll do a question about effects pedals that we like and other people don't from Psy. Um, cool. If you want to listen to uh, that extra episode, head over to patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, um, where for from five dollars a month you'll get an extra half an hour of guitar nerds podcast every week. Or for ten dollars a month you can become one of our exclusive uh exclusive executive producers. Um we've only got a few spots left on that now. I noticed we had another person sign up so we've only got like six spots left. Um and that means that you get your name read out on the podcast. Just like this. Do you want to do it? What do you want me to do? Read the names out? Yeah. Yeah. So big big thank you. 
Eric Seary, Paul Corrigan, Dale Rasco, Jack Conroy, Will Clare, Chris Wilson, Scott O'Brien, Matt Quine, Fletch Fletcher, Phil Thompson, Moo Gravit, Colin Anderson. That was good. That was almost like that Daft Punk song where they just read out the names of people. <laughs> I don't know that song. It's called Teachers. All right. Yeah, it's good. Thanks for listening this week. Like I said, if you want uh, more of this, uh, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for an extra half an hour a week. Um, you can join us on the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum. You can check out our YouTube videos, youtube.com forward slash guitar nerds videos. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at guitar nerds. You can follow me on Twitter at mark underscore random. You can follow Matt at Matt underscore nightsy. That's night with SAE on the end. And you can follow Jay at J-A-Y-B-N-1. I don't know why you'd want to, but you could follow Joe at Joseph underscore 900. What I think we should do this week, as he's not here and he definitely won't listen to this, is if you can, if you're on Twitter, go to Joe's page and um, what we need like a little a message, like something that will confuse him. I quite like the idea of hitting follow and then unfollowing because he'll get the notification to say that you followed him, and then he'll look at it and it'll be like, I don't, I don't think understand. he will because I don't think he has notifications on his uh, phone. Okay. What if people just tweet him a word and don't tell him why, like no explanation? what word toaster toaster right that's it toaster so you've got to go to at joseph underscore 900 on twitter and just tweet question mark toaster question mark yeah no i just think yeah toaster question mark um and let's see what he does let's see if he mentions anything we'll let you know (laughs) thanks for listening this week and um we'll see you next time thank you bye cheers bye bye (laughs) 